0: from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Let's begin this morning uh, by reading Revelations chapter 12, from verse 7 to 12. This is a scripture that um, Pastor Moore read last Sunday, uh, for those who were here, or those who listen to the message later, uh, while speaking about the majesty of God. And I want to continue uh, from that particular scripture today. And um, if you've been observing as well, you'll notice that since for the past six weeks, there has been a progression of the word of God in the same direction. And God is going somewhere. He's taking us somewhere. And I really, really hope that every single person will kick in into this. Don't step out. Don't stay out of it. There is something God is taking us somewhere. And on the 31st, he says overcome. This is how to overcome, and it's taking us in that direction. So let's begin with Revelation this morning, chapter 12, from verse 7. And war broke out, I'm reading the New King James Version, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and a dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Verse 9, so the great dragon was cast out. That serpent, the old, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Verse 12. Therefore rejoice O heavens and you who dwell in them Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Here we'll see a situation where one of the archangels, probably the most powerful of them all, stepped out of alignment with God. And as a result of that, war broke in heaven. And this was not a war between the devil and God. It was more of the devil and the other archangels. So the archangel Michael, who, was, who is the angel of war, fought against this dragon, this powerful, powerful being, and fought against him. And this angel... This archangel, the devil, with the angels he deceived fought against Michael and his angels. But in the end of the day, they were thrown away from their place in heaven. This was their original destiny. This was their original space, but they were cast out of it. And then the angel, this archangel that was cast out, now the devil or Satan was removed from that space. He stepped out of alignment with the will of God. And having stepped out of it, his aim is to ensure that every other person steps out of alignment. If he is not in alignment with God, no other person should. That's why he took with him a third of the angels. You know what it means to convince? God has an uncountable number of angels And this guy was able to convince one-third to follow him. And on the earth, he realizes that what he must do is to ensure that the earth does not align with the will of God. So he is fighting on a daily basis, knowing that his time is short, to ensure that each man, each person steps out of that alignment. The devil understands that when people are in alignment with God, yokes are broken. He understands in that alignment freedom is guaranteed healing takes place you understand that doors are open even the unexpected become real joy becomes a reality 2 weeks ago pastor Esi was ministering and then she said there is joy in alignment joy exists when we are in alignment with God so does peace and grace of God the devil understands these facts. And his job is to ensure that that doesn't happen. And he's fighting with man day after day. I want us to read Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. By the way, we're going to be reading a lot of scriptures today. I apologize in advance. (laughs) Jeremiah 29 verse 11. And most of the scriptures will be the New King James Version, so I'll stick to that. For I know the thought that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Incredible promises, incredible scriptures. The thoughts of God, the plans of God, they are Amazing. They are so wonderful that nothing that you've seen before can be compared to what he has in store for you. He has excellent plans, beautiful plans, magnificent plans to ensure that you have a hope and an amazing future. Eyes have not seen, you can't even imagine the thought he has for you. You know that. But guess who else knows that? The devil. He understands that these things God wants to do, he knows them perfectly well. And guess what he's doing? He's doing everything he can to make sure they don't come to pass. And he's going be saying to himself, if I can get these people to deviate from the will of God, if I can get them to get into misalignment with God, if I can get them to step out of their place then I would have been successful to make the fulfillment of this plan of God difficult. And on daily basis, he is warring. On daily basis, he is fighting. How do I ensure that they don't journey with God? How do I ensure that this plan is not executed? That is the plan of the devil. The Bible says in Psalm 82, verse 6, you are God's. And all of you are the children of the Most High. The enemies are saying, No, 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 you cannot be a God. I must rule over you. Because he understands that if you can get in alignment with God, your Godship or the authority you have becomes real. So he must find a way to make sure it doesn't work. The book of Genesis, chapter 3, records an account of what happened at the beginning of times. So in the beginning of times, in Genesis chapter 3, the Bible tells us that God will come down to the earth. God himself, not sending an angel, he comes down to the earth to man he created to have fellowship with him. And in the cool of the day, he will come down and walk around in the garden, expecting Adam to be at a particular place at each point. So when he comes, he doesn't need to look for Adam because Adam is where he should be. He would come down. Great moment, absolute wonderful moment with the divine. And I'm just imagining some of the conversations they'll be having. Some incredible conversations because this is not one time thing. He keeps coming down. And then maybe one of the evenings, this is my imagination, by the way, one of the evenings, God will come down and will say to Adam, oh, what did you achieve today? And he would say, well, today I named three animals. Because God would bring the animals to him and say to him, name them. And then he would say to that, I named three animals. And he would say, which animals are they? And he would say, that particular one, pointing at one. And say to him, See, that one is so fat and so big. So big. I had to name it Cape of Diamonds. Thank you. <laughs> And then God would say, okay, 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 but what's the next one? He said, okay, that is another one. In fact, that one I've been chasing from morning till night, till now and I've not caught it yet. It's still running. And God would say, okay, so what did you give it to him? He said, well, let's call it an antelope. It just keeps running and keeps running. That thing never stops running. And he said, okay, so what's the third one? And Adam would laugh. I said, why are you laughing? Adam would say, well, that one is so stubborn. It is so stubborn. You tell him to go right, he will go left. Tell him to go left, he will go right. He doesn't, It do, won't do what anyone expects from him. In fact, the yam that my wife kept to cook the following day, this thing has eaten half of it. And God will say, okay, so what's the name of this animal? Thank you. He said, that's a goat. It was a beautiful moment with God. But guess what? The enemy was standing by side and wondering, this cannot continue. How on earth do I break this fellowship? And he kept strategizing. One of the evenings, he would run to Eve when he see that Adam and Eve are not together. And he would begin with a question. Did God say? Whenever you hear that question, be mindful of what's going to follow next. Did God say that you should not eat of this? And deceitfully, he turned these people to go against the will of God, to go out of alignment with God. Because he knew if he can break the alignment, he would break the future that God has prepared for them. And man deviated from the will of God. Such a shame. He went out of where he was supposed to be. And on that same day, Adam stepped out of a lion's. And God came down on earth again and couldn't find man where man should be. Terrible, terrible moment. And the man who should live forever, the man who should enjoy the beauty of life, the man who has authority was kicked out of his place, Because of lack of alignment, because of misalliance. The world is full of darkness. The world is full of craziness. And it is dangerous to open a door that should remain closed. It is dangerous to stay in a room when God has left that room. It is dangerous to step out of alignment with the creator of the ends of the earth. Listen to this. The worst place to be is where you are not supposed to be. I'm going to say that again. The worst place to be is where you are not supposed to be, even if it looks and feels like heaven. The opposite is the case as well. The best place to be Is the place you are supposed to be. Even if it looks and feels like hell, stay there. We see the case of Daniel. We see all kinds of cases and different things happen to them, but they stayed at a particular space. But then you find some people who will move from where they're supposed to be to another place, and that becomes a problem. If God has not sent you to the best country on earth, don't go because you're most likely not going to succeed there. You'll be looking for pasture in the midst of pasture and you won't find pasture. It's a dangerous place to be. Alignment is absolutely important. Wouldn't you rather be in hell with God than to be in heaven without him? Because when God is in hell with you, it becomes heaven. But no matter where he is, no matter how heavenly it looks, it is hell. That's why the worst place to go is hell. And it's not because of the fire, by the way. It's not because of the fire. It's because the presence of God does not exist there. Look at the case of Jesus when he was about to die. there There was so much going on. He was literally withstanding it. They would slap him nothing. But the moment the father turned his back, he cried out immediately. That was the only moment he cried and cried and cried because that was hell for him. It wasn't about the slapping and the beating or even the cross. It was the stepping away of the father. Somebody say alignment. Alignment. What then is alignment? Divine alignment is being in a position of agreement with God and allowing him to be the Lord of your life. Divine alignment is being in a position of agreement with God and allowing this God to be the Lord of your life. It is not about calling him Lord, but allowing him to be the Lord. Two different things. Jesus said, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Don't call me that. When you align with me, then I become your Lord. Can two work together unless they are agreed? Amos chapter 3, verse 3. We're going to go to our lead scripture today. And it's three, it's six chapters of the Bible, by the way. So get ready to read. Read. Daniel chapter 1 to chapter 6. We're going to run through that very quickly. These six chapters unveil incredible truth about alignment. Daniel has 12 chapters. And the book actually is a book of prophecy as well as a book of history. The first six chapters is about history. The last six chapters is about prophecies. What will happen to Babylon? What will happen after Babylon? Who will overthrow Babylon? What will happen even up to the coming of Christ at the end of time? What will happen? Those are prophecies. We're not going to that today. We'll focus on the first six chapters, the book of history. I'm saying this because it's important to understand that these events happened. It is not a proverbial book. So when the Bible says there was a lion, there was a lion. So if you go to the zoo right now, the same lion you see is some lion that they saw. It wasn't fiction. It wasn't cartoon. It was real. The same one will say, oh, history, on the the 31st night, we had a meeting here. That's history. Or we'll say, oh, last Sunday, Pastor Mo Preached which is the reason why I'm very nervous right now. Please don't ever go preach after your senior pastor preached. It's a lot of pressure. And so these are history. These are books of history. I want to go to them and look at them. Chapter 1. It's also important, part of the reason why God gave me these scriptures is that it also represents a time like ours, a very difficult time. These men and women were not at peace. It was a time of invasion after invasion, time of all kinds of troubles upon them. Chapter 1. Chapter 1 is about Daniel. This is about now the first chapter when he was taken and all the people were taken from Jerusalem. So this great Babylon at this point was just spreading out all over the world and taking kingdoms, just taking all over cities all over the world. Verse 1 says, And in the third year of the reign of Joachim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Joachim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God. Please remember that. We'll talk about this later. Which were carried into the land of Shina to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of Enoch, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, just like yours truly. Don't hate, don't hate. Gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge. And quick to understand who had been, who had, who are able to serve in the king's palace. And whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Verse 5. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank. And three years of training for them. This was supposed to be so... Nebuchadnezzar had taken captive of Judah, Jerusalem being the capital, took captive of it. The, and then also, not just that, but chose the most intelligent, the brilliant ones. He took a lot of people in order to select those who will serve him. The idea was for them to bring dignity and great value to his kingdom. So he was selecting the best of the best. Three years is going to take for this selection. And the plan is to take, take with them some men. Remember that these men suddenly have been removed from their comfort places. These men suddenly have been removed from their nations. These men, even their Bible is being replaced with a different Bible, their names replaced as well. Their identity changed. They were doing everything possible to literally change them entirely. To form them into something different. Verse 6. Now from among those are the sons of Judah, where Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah to whom the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Belshazzar, thank you, to Hananeah, Shedra, to Mishael, Mishra, Mishak, and to Azariah, Abadnego. These young men, by the way, were between the ages of 13 and 15. They were no more than 15 years old. So they were still very, very young. And according to history, there were about between 8 to 15,000 young people they were taking for this particular thing. It wasn't just these four. They took a lot of them. Verse 8 begins this way. But Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies. Daniel determined to stay aligned with God. He decided in his heart that he would do what is right. Despite all that has been presented, keep in mind, this is the best food possible. What the king eats is what they eat. Amazing food. You can imagine the chicken on that food. Really beautiful food. But Daniel said to himself, that's not going to happen. I have an allegiance to God which cannot be broken. You might change my name. You might change my location. But you will not change my alignment with God. It doesn't matter if I'm young or old. I will not change because of whatever you're offering me. Whether it's good or bad, I don't want it. Daniel decided. He must have said to himself, nothing will move me. Even if I will stand alone, let it be. He decided himself that I will stay aligned with God. Let's go to verse 12. Please test your servants, Daniel said to the chief of eunuchs, for 10 days, and let them give us vegetables to eat. water to drink so Daniel graciously went to the wisdom went to the chief of Enoch, the person who was able to train them and said to him look I understand that your life is on the line but trust me try me for 10 days just 10 days let's see what's going to happen and amazingly God granted him favor because he chose to remain aligned with God God does not disappoint his own. Let's go down to verse 18. Now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them none was like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them. They found them 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. So in all of this, Daniel, though he did not concede, he came out better than everyone else. These four men emerged 10 times better, not two times, not three times, 10 times. You can't beat that. There is no comparison whatsoever. They emerge. Remember, they stayed aligned with God. Chapter two. Chapter two is where Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And in that dream, he had a very troubling dream. And he woke up. Look at verse 2. It says, then the king gave a command to, to call the magicians and the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the chaldeans to tell the king his dream. This man is wicked. I won't tell you the dream so that you will now tell me whatever is on your mind. Have you ever met somebody like that? You tell them your dream. They will already have interpretation, even before you finish the dream. They have interpretation. And you yourself know this is not right. But you may not say it to them. So these men have planned in their hearts, King, tell us your dream. We will tell you something, whether it's true or not. The king said, no, he would not have it. Then look at verse four, verse five. He says, if you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation shall all be cut into pieces and the house shall be made as ash heap. Verse six, however, if you tell me the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. So the king was not having it. And look at what they said to him in verse 10. It says, The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is no man on earth who can tell the king's matters. What they don't remember is that there is a difference between a man who is in alignment with God and a man who is not in alignment with God. There is one man who can make known this dream. Let's go to verse 16. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time. Because the king had ordered that everybody be killed. All the magicians and the sorcerers and the wise men. He said, no. Daniel asked for time. What did he do with that time? Verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and met the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, That they might seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning the secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Verse 19 Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Alignment improves your accuracy. These other people were not aligned with God. Therefore, they were not accurate in any way, shape, or form. But this particular man had absolute, he kept going back to God. And through prayers, he kept refining his alignment. Through prayer, he he keeps going back. He keeps going back. You can't say, oh, I've prayed today. I cannot pray tomorrow. No, you have to keep going back. And then God revealed himself to him. And he was very accurate. Now, if you see from verses 20 to 23, Daniel went to God and he went there. He had asked God for answers. God, give me answers to the praise of your name. And God absolutely answered him. May I suggest something? If you want to be a really great prayer person, please study the prayer of prophets in the Bible. If you want to learn how to pray, just go through the prayer of prophets these verses 20 to 23 you will find incredible words among with all other prayers of prophets in the bible and god answered him i'm going to go to verse 26 verse 26 chapter 2 verse 26 then king nebuchadnezzar fell to his face after daniel had revealed the dream and interpretation Commanded that they should bring present and offering, they should present an offering and an insert to him. The king answered Daniel and said, truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords and a revealer of secrets. Since you could reveal the secret. Then the king promoted Daniel. Promotion came and gave him many great gifts. And he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Also, Daniel petitioned the king and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. When you stand before God, the name of God will be exalted. Nebuchadnezzar is not a man who fears anything. But at this particular revelation, he bowed to God. Your alignment with God will bring men to worship God. We talk about being a witness. Your alignment is a witness. Your alignment at the office, your alignment staying with God, staying true to what God is saying, honoring God, will draw people to you. Sometimes they may not even tell you. In their secret, they're saying, Lord, I want to be like this person. I want to change. How can this person be able to do this? Daniel was a man of alignment. Chapter three. This is the deliverance from the furnace of fire. Nebuchadnezzar had made an image, giant image. This man just comes up with all kinds of things. And then said to everybody, everyone must worship this. (laughs) And then he made it clear that if you don't worship at the sound of music, you're going to die. I want to go down to verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, there were these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the companions of friends of Daniel. They refused to bow. They said to themselves, look. Yes, we've been brought to Babylon. But we will not align with the gods of Babylon. Our alignment remains with God. And then they brought them, and and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, young man, that that you do not serve my gods or worship the image which I have set up? Verse 16, their response. These men answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar. We have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fairy furnace. He will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king. We are so aligned to God that we cannot bow before any image. Let it be known to you, O king, that we are in agreement with heaven, that we cannot bow before anything else. King, understand this fact. You are powerful, but you're not powerful enough to derail us from what we stand for. Be it known to you, king. Even if God does choose this not to deliver us, we will not bow. Talk about alliance. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose in a haste. So after they said this, they were thrown into the fire, like we know already. But in that fire, nothing was happening. He says in verse 24, he was astonished. He rose up quickly and said to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of fire? They answered and said to the king, Yes, of course we did. Look, he answered. I see four men loose walking in the midst of fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of Man. What alliance or being in alignment with God can do for you? Chapter 4. Chapter 4 is an open letter of Nebuchadnezzar to the ends of the earth. After God had dealt with him. This man realized that he should serve the living God. God finished him. In verse 1, he says, Nebuchadnezzar the king, to all people, a letter, nations and language that dwell in all of the earth. He began to write, verse 2, I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders of the Most High has worked for me. <laughs> if you eat grass for seven years, you understand this letter. <laughs> verse 5, I saw in a dream which made me afraid. And the thoughts, of my, thoughts on my bed and the vision of my head troubled me. First, he saw another vision and then brought in Daniel to interpret it. Daniel gave him an excellent interpretation and then also advised him of what to do to avert the situation. Did he listen? No. Verse 27. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins. By being righteous and your iniquities, by showing mercy to the poor, perhaps there may be a lightening of your prosperity. But the king did not. Verse 29, at the end of the 12 months, at the end of 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace in Babylon. The king spoke saying, is this, is not this great Babylon that I have built for my royal dwelling by my mighty power <laughs> for the honor of my majesty. Verse 31. God did not wait for him to finish the words. God was too angry that before the words, it says in verse 31, while the words were still in his mouth, had not finished. A voice came from heaven Nebuchadnezzar, you are done. And this man had to suffer for seven whole years, eating grass like the beast. At the end of the day, after his restoration, he realized that glory must be given to God. Again, glory as a result of alignment. Chapter five. This is the handwriting on the wall. So after Nebuchadnezzar had gone, his son, Belshazzar took over. Amazingly, this man decided one day to throw a very big party and invite 1,000 of his lords. But something really weird happened. And he thought it was cool for them to go and pick up the things they brought from the church of God, the the temple of God, to use it to serve drinks. Chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Belshazzar the king made a great feast, and then he tested of it. And then Bethesda gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple. And while he was eating, a hand appeared on the wall. Who are you to use the vessels of God? Again, they brought in Daniel to interpret what's going on. And Daniel gave the Excellent interpretation. Remember, alignment, again, puts you in a place of accuracy at each given point. This man has been absolutely accurate. That was the, in, in verse 30. He says, that very night, the Cheshire king of the Chaldeans, was slain. And Darius of Maid received the kingdom, being 62 years old. The last chapter, chapter 6. This is now the case of Daniel and the lion's den. So Darius became the king over the whole nations. And he was expanding his territory, taking more kingdoms, expanding and expanding. And he thought that it's necessary for me to approve more lords or more princes to head over my provinces. So he created 120 of them. And then to manage his 120 of them, there were three governors. Some translation says presidents. Daniel was one of those governors. Let's read verse 3. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and princes because an excellent spirit was found in him. And the king gave thought of sending him over the whole realm. So he thought about, Daniel, you're too good. At some point, you take over everything. Verse 4, so the governors and the princes sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could not find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. A life of Alignment is a life of integrity. A life of alignment does not bring compromise. One who is aligned to God lives a life of righteousness. They said they looked everywhere and found nothing wrong with this guy. This is incredible. Nothing. This is a people who he worked with every single day. The more aligned you are to God, the more he fashions you and makes you who you should be. Keep drawing to God. Say to your neighbor, align yourself. yourself. Verse 10. Then when Daniel knew that the writing was written, he went home. In his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he fell down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Despite what had happened, the decree, there cannot be changed. In fact, they made the decree to the point that even the king cannot change his own decree. But despite all of that and what will happen to the person who fought us, who will bow before any other God. Despite all of that, Bible says Daniel did not change his pattern. He continued in the same way. This guy was so aligned, despite all the evidence, he was so aligned to God that nothing will move him. He continued in the face of danger. He continued to serve the Lord. How much danger do you face every day? When you face them, you remain aligned to God. At the office, they've said to you, if you don't sign this, we're going to fire you. What's your response? How aligned are you to him? And the things that you do, a life of alignment is a life of integrity. Let's go to verse 20. The king spoke, saying, Daniel. Now, this is what he has been thrown into the lion's den. I'm almost done with the chapters. Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, able to deliver you from the lion's? Then Daniel said to him, verse 21, O king, live forever. My God, send his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I, am, I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Alignment does not immune us from trouble, but it guarantees the presence of God. You may be in trouble as a result of an alignment, but the truth is that God will never leave you or forsake you. He says, when you go through the waters, when you go through the fire, I will be with you. Alignment is powerful. So it doesn't matter where you are at each point. Stay with the Lord. Verse 25. Then Darius wrote to all people, nations, the last verses, and languages that dwell in all of the earth, peace be multiplied to you, I make a decree that every dominion and kingdom that men dwell and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, His dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So when we stand with God, we bring praise to his name. Again, this is a testimony of another king. Right into the ends of the earth, that God is God. Our alignment brings men to worship God and, then in turn, brings promotion to us. At each given point, we see promotion coming even when it seems unlikely. Alignment is powerful. These four men exemplify absolute living in alignment. Why is alignment important? Listen to this some blessings of God have an address on them. This is very important. Let me read this scripture. Luke chapter 24, verse 20, verse 49. Some blessings of God have an address on them. And now, this is Luke 24, verse 49. It says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven this blessing of power has an address on it if these men had left that city they may never have come to that place of power so they needed to remain at that particular space for them to receive that blessing Imagine the, 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 the water, the, 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 pool, the, the pool, where um, the man said, oh, I'm too crippled to jump into the sea. God was not blessing anyone outside of that water. The blessing was addressed to the water. And if you're not in that particular space, you're not getting healed. Psalm 133 verse one. Psalm 133 verse one. We're running up very soon. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard. The beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garment. It is like the dew of Haman descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, live forevermore. Could it be that the blessing you've been praying for, the blessing you've been seeking for has been sent to you to a particular address but you are in a different place? Could it be that that which you're waiting for for a very long time, the answer has been released but you're not where you are supposed to be. Keep in mind, when God appeared to Adam and Eve, he came to the garden. He was going to a particular place to find them. He didn't need to ask Adam, where are you? But these men lost the blessing of fellowship with God because they had moved away from the alignment where they should be. When it comes to alignment, this particular scripture tells us what's going to happen. An oil poured from the head and it keeps going down. So if any member of the body is detached from this particular body, that member is not going to receive that oil. The oil only touches those who are within it. Alignment. The last scripture before we pray this morning. Mark chapter 14. Mark 14. Thank you, Jesus. How can we align ourselves or realign ourselves with God? Four things are really important. Submission. Submission. Submission, you must submit to God. If not, it's impossible. These men submitted themselves totally. They were sold out to God. Second is obedience. They were ready to obey every word of God, not minding the consequences. Prayer, we see them praying constantly. Daniel prayed three times every day. We're going to see the case of Jesus. If he had to pray so much, why do you think one prayer a week will work for you? The Word of God. You must study the Word of God so much that it renews your heart constantly and keeps you on track. And through the help of the Holy Spirit. We see all of these things in the scripture. Mark 14. From verse uh, 32. This is the last scripture and then we're going to pray. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he brought to be, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. Verse 35: He went a little farther. And fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Very difficult moment. Verse 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, O Lord. Nevertheless, it's not about what I want. Nevertheless, it's not about my thoughts. It's not about what will make me comfortable. It's not about what will make me happy. Your will must be done. Submission is a necessity for alignment. Jesus aligned himself despite what he saw that is coming. He said, no way. This is difficult. This is trembling. This is crazy. But I am going to remain in the same path. Lord, it's not about my will. It's not about how I feel. It's about your thoughts about this particular situation. And he said to him, Father, if this, if it's possible, I know it's possible. Can this pass from me? And God was quiet. Verse 37. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Peter, are you sleeping? Could you not watch for one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Without prayer, your alignment will not work. It takes prayer to defeat temptation. You're not powerful enough. It takes God to live the life of God. You are not enough. You're not capable enough. He said to him, listen Peter, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. There is great strength in the spirit. God is speaking to your spirit. It's time to take a fast. Let's pray in the morning hours. Let's go for evangelism. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is saying, "No, no, no, no. Can I just watch Netflix for two hours? Can I, can I just, can I just, you know, just go through Instagram? I just before you know it, two hours has passed. Can I just do this? The flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. I'm ready to comply. That's why prayer is critical. Again, in 39, it says, Then he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again. For their eyes were heavy. Pause there for a minute. This is the same guy, when Jesus left, went for fishing. The Bible says they toiled all night. Peter was not feeling sleepy the night he was fishing. He spent the whole night looking for fish. He didn't find. But when he needed to pray to align himself... His eyes were heavy. Sometimes it is when you want to fast that the greatest hunger comes. But the truth is that the more you align yourself with God, the more grace is released for further alignment. And he said to him, Peter, your eyes are heavy. This is not how it should be. And they did not know what to answer him. Verse 41, then he came the third time and said to them, three whole times, Jesus was praying. He went back, fell on his face and prayed one hour. Came back again, went back again, one hour. Came back again, went back and one hour. These are three whole hours. Guess what? What happened at Gethsemane determined what happened at Calvary? This was the determining point of what happened next. Your prayer is what determines what will happen the following day. Don't wait behind and relax and say, no, I feel good right now. No, 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 no. At the point you're praying, you are sharpening your future. You are changing destiny. You're changing your atmosphere. You're moving things around in ways that you would never ordinarily imagine. Jesus kept redefining his moments. He kept praying and kept changing moments and kept changing moments. He understands that he serves a living God and his prayer kept changing things, kept changing things, kept changing things. He did not bow away from it because the time had come. And when it was time for you not to pray again, you don't need to pray again. There was a moment when it, there was no more prayer to be prayed. But when you needed to pray, you needed to pray. Can somebody stand up this one and say, "Lord, bring me into alignment." Say, "Lord, bring me into alignment." Lord, bring me into alignment. Prayer brings you into divine alignment. Submission brings you into divine alignment. Obedience brings you into divine alignment. The Word of God brings you into divine alignment. Say, "Lord, bring me into alignment." I don't want to run this race in vain. I don't want to live a life that does not bring you glory. I want to live a life that in the end, worship comes to you. Say, Lord, bring me into alignment. Thanks for listening to this message from The Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at elo.ecclesiahills.org